You know, if you ever wonder why we stand on their feet for the reading of the Word, does anybody know where that comes from in the Bible? Does anybody even have an inclination? Uh, it's Josiah. Nope. It's, it's just to show respect to the Word of God. Oh, yeah, but where does the verse in the Bible? He's got it. Craig, you want to preach tonight? No, you're right, Craig. That was great. That was great. It, it comes from the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to preach on, on Sunday. When I, was in the, when I was in the hospital with my surgery, I was meditating through the book of Nehemiah. And God just, I mean, he laid out in chapter 8 just a clear pattern of basically the way we worship. And you see it, you see it carried on in Jesus and, and the book of Acts. But it's, it's, it's neat. It's neat because um, I'm going to take you through like eight different really, you know, things that we do and why we do them and, um, and really how we should do them. But for tonight, I want to talk to you about how to minister to God from Leviticus chapter 16. I'm going to read to you the first two verses of the book of Leviticus chapter 16. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. And when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in a cloud above the mercy seat. So Heavenly Father, you know, Lord, uh, the way we minister, and Lord God, not just here at the church, but what we do, Lord God, throughout our lives each day, seven days a week, we don't want to ever do it, Lord God, and, and offer up profane fire. We want to worship you, Lord God, your way, Lord, according to your will. And Lord God, we always want to glorify you in those things. So, Father, I just pray that you would teach us tonight as we sit at your feet. Open up, Lord, our hearts to you. And Father, just teach us the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, if you, go, if you go up to chapter 11, am I echoing a little? Yeah, I got an echo going on. I'm hearing myself twice. It's like deja vu again, or something like that. Uh, profane fire, okay. Now, can you hear me? Now you, you can, okay, good. So they offered up profane fire, and the two sons of Aaron died. They got, they got fired by God, literally. He fired them from being priests. You don't ever want to get fired that way from God. And um, because they came to God their own way instead of his way. So the word of God makes it clear that, that there is a, a way that the Lord wants us to come to him. In Hebrews chapter 12, 28 through 29, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. There is an acceptable way to serve the Lord with reverence and godly fear. They didn't come with reverence and godly fear. They came with uh, irreverence. For our God is a consuming fire. And it's always good to keep that in mind, that God is a consuming fire, because sometimes we become so familiar with God, and not familiar in a good, healthy, relational way, that God is a, a holy God. So, in Leviticus chapter 16, we, we see that it's now that the instruction that's going out to the people is about the holy days. 
And there are, there are seven holy days, seven feasts, seven Sabbaths, besides the Sabbath that you have in Scripture. You have the spring feast, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and the Feast of Pentecost. Actually, we are right in that right now, in the, in the period that we're in. And then the fall feast, the Feast of Trumpets, the uh, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So Leviticus 16, if you're familiar with it, which feast is it dealing with? It's dealing with the Day of Atonement, or the Feast of Atonement, which um, is really, to the, to the Jews, Yom Kippur is the most sacred of all of the holy days. Uh, if you look just at this chart here, you get a picture of the fulfillment that you find in Yeshua, uh, the Passover, right, Jesus, his death. He is the, you know, the Passover lamb, unleavened bread, his burial, first fruits, his resurrection, Pentecost, obviously the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, the um, historical fulfillment of his whole occurred. The, the, uh, the fall holidays, trumpets, Day of Atonement, Tabernacles has not been fulfilled yet in its completion, and I'm echoing again. Uh, so the, the Feast of, of Trumpets, the rapture, when the last trumpet sounds and the Bride of Christ is raptured, the Day of Atonement, I believe that it's looked at as the second coming of the Lord, and then um, Tabernacles is the Millennial Kingdom. I've covered this with you before. I've covered it in detail. So let's, let's again, let's look at Leviticus 16. And how do we approach God? Right? How do we minister to God? I'm saying ministering in all aspects, what we're doing tonight. Tonight, you know, you're, you're worshiping. How do, how do we come to God in worship? How do we come to God in prayer? How do we come to God to the Word? You're serving God. The worship team here, serving God. How do we come? First key thing, by the blood. Now, in, in Leviticus 16, verse 3 through 5, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering, but we, we come to him by the blood. There's no other way, right? To come to, if you want to come to God the right way to his word, you come by the blood of the lamb. You want to worship, you come in worship by the blood of the lamb. In, in prayer, you come by the blood of the lamb. And that is a theme that flows right from Genesis. Once sin, sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3, you see the blood, right? The, the blood of the animal that shed to give Adam and Eve a covering. You come to, to chapter 4, and then you have the offering of Cain and Abel. Cain comes and he offers up fruit. It's rejected by God. And Abel offers up the blood of the lamb. And it's accepted by God. I want to, I want to tell you this. I don't know if you ever, how many of you have ever listened to or read Jordan Peterson? Okay, a few of you. You can find him on YouTube. Jordan Peterson, probably the, he's one of the smartest men on earth. And of late, right, and all men who truly will seek, I believe, truth will eventually come to the truth. And he, it seems like he's given his life to Jesus. And he he still, I'll tell you, it's funny, as brilliant as he is, he still has somewhat of an uh, infantile understanding of Scripture. And he talks, though, about he's not quite you know, sure about the literalness of Scripture, but he, he says something that's very profound that I, that I have believed throughout my walk with Christ, that when you come to a story like Cain and Abel, 
you will find yourself in that story. As you, as you go through the scriptures, the wandering through the desert of the Israelites, you'll find yourself in that story. You'll find yourself in the prophets. You'll find yourself in the kings. You'll find yourself in the gospels. You'll find yourself in the book of Acts. You'll find yourself at the cross. All people, by the way, all humanity, every person who has ever been born and reached the age of accountability, they are at the cross. Or they are at the resurrection. And in, in the story of, of Cain and Abel, you're in that story. And you are either, again, coming to God his way, which is what Abel did by the blood. And it was clearly, it, it was explained to the children when the animal was sacrificed to give Adam and Eve a covering. And the Lord made this very clear to them. The only way to approach me and to receive a covering for your sin is through the blood. So when they were making this offering, Cain decided, I'm just going to do it my way. And either you come to God your own way, and that's religion. Religion is, I'm going to come to God my own way. And, you know, the gospel, it's, and the gospel is really, again, in, in a very early way, is being carried out by Abel. He's coming to God according to God's way which is by the blood. But that, that, that is, it's very simple. You look at all religion, any religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, Zoroastrianism, Islam, it's, it's all man coming to God, you know, their own way by works. And again, the gospel is we come to God only one way, and that's by the blood. So that, that theme just flows through the scriptures. So you see in the, the Passover, and we'll celebrate Passover in, in the next few weeks, again, when they sacrificed the lamb and took the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorframe, the, the death passed over them. And the people who didn't do that, death struck the firstborn. And again, who is our Passover lamb? The New Testament makes that clear. Jesus is our Passover lamb. But again, we, we, are, we are covered, we are protected by the blood of the Lamb. And again, you, you look at Jesus is the Lamb of God. And it's by His blood that we are able to approach the Father. Without the blood, we can't approach God. So in Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by what? By the blood of Jesus. And Aaron was able to enter into the holy place by the blood of the Lamb. And it was a foreshadow, a typology. By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we approach a very holy God only one way, and that's by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Yeshua. So again, whether it's, it's worship or service or, you know, just the, the, you know, you're in the Word of God or you're coming to God in prayer, you always come by the blood. You can't come any other way. And, and we can come with, um, with great boldness when we, when we truly have that conviction and that belief that, again, we have been covered by the blood. So look at um, Psalm 
100 verses 4 and 5, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. That's really how we come to the Lord when we come to him by the blood. We're thankful, right, that, that his blood has given us forgiveness, his blood has given us redemption, his blood has, has washed us and cleansed us and justified us and given us forgiveness and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And that, that's really, that, that's how we should be doing ministry. With, with a, you know, with a thankful, it is, it is a privilege, it is an honor, right? It is a very special thing that you can come to the Lord tonight in worship, to his word, in prayer, in service. I just want you to stop and think, how many people out there that you know who don't have a clue, Right? Most, the majority. Second, holiness. We, we come to him in, in holiness. So in, in verse 4 of chapter 16, he shall put the holy linen tunic, right? This is the high priest now. Remember we went through the, uh, all the garb, and I'm not going to go through it in detail. But he shall put on the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body, and he shall be girded with a linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. This is going back to Exodus 29. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And this is, all, you know, again, all the, the holy garb. And we went through it. What is the holy garb a typology of? Jesus. Right? It's, it's Jesus. But we, we come to the Lord. He had to come in the prescribed way of holiness to enter in to the Holy of Holies. If he didn't do that, right, what did they do? They, they would tie, and we don't know this from Scripture, we know this from the uh, Talmud, the, the Jewish oral traditions, they would tie a rope on the high priest's ankle. And when he came in to the, to the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, just in case he came in, not according to God's prescribed way of holiness, he could be struck down, and nobody's going in there for another year, so they're pulling him out. So he, he had to come exactly according to this way, clothed to a holy God, because God is holy. So Isaiah has this great vision. I love Isaiah 6, chapter 6, 1 through 3. In the year of King Uzziah, he died. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy is the Father, holy is the Son, holy is the Holy Spirit. You have a, you know, a, a really, a, again, a foreshadow of what we know from the New Testament about the Trinity. God is a holy God. In, in Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, have you ever meditated and looked at the Song of Moses? Put up the Song of Moses on YouTube, Brooklyn Tabernacle. It's a seven-minute song. And there's a guy who sings this song. And let me tell you something. It'll bring you to your knees in tears. He's got this baritone voice that is incredibly powerful. They sing the Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of, uh, of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. 
For you alone are holy, for you alone are holy, for all the nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments shall be manifested. God is a, he, he is a, a holy God. And if we come to him, we must come clothed in holiness. How do we become clothed with holiness? Right? Who do we clothe ourselves with? You need to do it every day. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. We, we Literally, we clothe ourselves with Jesus. We, we are allowing him to clothe us with his righteousness. Because I have no righteousness. <laughs> with his holiness, because I have no holiness. We, we are clothed with his grace, with his, with his mercy. And that is, that is how we approach God. So look at when, when the Lord taught the Lord's Prayer. Okay, in Matthew chapter 6. Look at the, again, the, the first part of the prayer. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Again, just approaching him in prayer, in holiness. There's a, a beautiful uh, verse that appears in First Chronicles and Psalms. Bless the Lord, proclaim the majestic splendor of his kingdom. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When you are clothed with Jesus and you are right with him, and you are walking with him, it is a beautiful thing to worship him in holiness. When you're not right with him, and maybe you've been neglecting him, maybe you have not been, you know, you haven't been doing the things he calls you to do, maybe you've been doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, and you come and you come into a church and you come to worship, right? It doesn't just feel right. But when you're right with him and you're clothed, and you're really walking with him, and you're in his, you're in his will, there's something wonderful to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I pray that. I pray that frequently during the week. I want to worship you in the beauty of holiness. Number three, atonement. So in Leviticus chapter uh, 16 and verse 6, he says, Aaron shall offer a bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. So he makes a, a, atonement. So I want to I do a quick, a quick little lesson with you here. The Ark of the Covenant. Okay, you have the, the two angels. The, the Shekinah glory of God would come down from the heavens. Okay, the very presence of God. The two cherubim, you know, represent the very presence of God. And then inside, inside of the Ark was what? Miguel, don't argue with me about this. <laughs> Because it, 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 there, there, it, we know the Ten Commandments, okay? But it seems that maybe right at the beginning, you also had Aaron's staff and you had the draw of manna. What do they all represent? The Ten Commandments, man's rebellion against God's law. The draw of manna, man's rebellion against God's provision. And then Aaron's staff, God, uh, the man's rebellion against God's authority. So it's, 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 this, this, this is symbolic of us in sin, and then, in between, there's this, it's called a seat. It's called a mercy seat, or an atonement cover. And uh, that is the, the mercy seat. Aaron, okay, the high priest, would go in to the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. 
and they would offer up the blood, okay, of the lamb. And that blood would be placed upon the mercy seat. That's the atonement cover. Notice what, what it does. It covers what? Sin. Who is our atonement cover? And the New Testament, the New Testament reiterates this and, and you know, affirms this in two places. One is in Romans chapter 3, 24 through 25, being justified, justified completely declared innocent, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. The word propitiation is, is atonement or mercy seat. Jesus is our atonement cover. He's our mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. In, in the book of uh, Hebrews, and I'm going to read it to you from the New International Version, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So when you're, when you're doing ministry, we, we do it through the atonement. <laughs> I'm covered. Je- Jesus is the mercy seat. You know, when, when you know, people will say, you have an accident with your car, nothing serious, are you covered? Right? Are you covered? Well, you don't want to get in an accident with your car and not be covered. Or you go home tonight and the water pipe is broken and you got three, you know, inches of water in your basement. Are you covered? A tree falls down on your house. And we've all had, I've had all these things happen. <laughs> I've had every one of them happen. And uh, not to mention pests and everything else. I'd elected, I had a lightning bolt hit my house. You don't want to hang out with me, I'm telling you. It's dangerous. <laughs> Lightning bolt hit my house, blew out the electrical system. Are you covered? Right? Thank goodness for Allstate. I was covered. Think about this, right? Are you covered? Are you covered by Jesus? Are you, are you covered by, right? By the blood. Are you covered by the mercy seat? And again, the, the, the beauty of, of ministry, knowing that you're covered... Right, look again, Hebrews 4, 6, uh, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but wasn't at all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Right? We're covered. We can come boldly. I'm covered by the Lamb's blood. I, I'm covered by the mercy seat, by the atoning of Jesus, and therefore I can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I can come boldly each day to his word. I can come boldly each day in worship. I can come boldly each day in prayer. I can come boldly each day in service and ministry because I've been covered by the atonement, by the mercy seat of Jesus. Number four, prayer. So in verse uh, 16, verse uh, 11 and 12, And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sinner offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as a sinner offering, which is for himself. Then he shall make a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of, notice the, the word, 
sweet incense. Beaten fine and, and bring it inside the veil. A, a, a sweet incense. That's, incense in the scripture is symbolic of what? Prayer. Yeah, symbolic of, of prayer. And, you know, just the, 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 the concept here is, again, in our prayers, and I'm not just talking about prayers. Lord, give me this, give me this, give me this. I'm talking about your shopping list. Prayer is communion with God. You ever, you ever pray for a long period of time and never ask God for anything? Most, most of my prayer life is not intercession. I'll talk about that in a moment. Most of my prayer life is just communing with the Lord. And it could be, it could be worship, it could be adoration, right? It could be thanksgiving. It could be meditation on, you know, on the scriptures. Sometimes it's just sitting, you just sit in his presence, just enjoy, just hang out. You, you know, somebody you really like being with, you can just sit with them and be with them. And you don't have to be saying a whole lot. Just, just hanging out, you know, with the Lord. Just a sweet incense, sweet communion. Even, let me tell you this, even when he's rebuking you, correcting you, right, disciplining you, it's, let me tell you, it's still sweet. It's, it's sweet. It's, it's sweet to be in the presence of the Lord. And again, you see this, you see this theme flow throughout the scriptures and you know, Moses, right, in the cleft of the rock. You know, I mean, he, he just, like, he wants that so bad because he, he's tasted how sweet it is. Lord, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. He, he just, the presence of God is, is sweet. Mary, right, at Jesus' feet while Martha's, you know, preparing the pasta fazul, you know, and um, she, you, know, she's, you can just see Mary there. She loved just being in the presence of Jesus and just hearing him minister to her. It's sweet. Mary Magdalene, right? Clinging to Jesus, you know, at the resurrection. Just clinging, not wanting to let him go. You can see the, the sweetness of just being in his presence. And even, even Peter, right? Breakfast with Jesus up at the Galilee. And he's being corrected. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's, he's, being, he's being restored. But it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's sweetness in his presence. So just prayer, you know, a communion with God. It should be sweet. You know, reading the word should be sweet. Worship should be sweet. Prayer should be sweet. Service should be, should be sweet. It should be something, something that you, in, you really enjoy. Okay, number five. Intercession. So in verse, I'm going to bring it down to verse 17. So it says this, There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place. Again, the high priest on the day of atonement uh, on, on, he, he, on Yom Kippur, until he comes out, that he may make atonement. Now watch this. So he's going to make atonement for himself, for his household, and for his uh, assembly of Israel. Essentially, he's going to intercede. He's going to intercede on his own behalf, on behalf of his household, and on behalf of the entire assembly of Israel. And there's a great, that's a great pattern of intercession. And that's a, that, that's a pattern that I use. I use each morning. I, I pray. I do pray for myself. I pray for my family. 
I pray for the assembly. I pray for the church. And um, I, I also will, and I'll add this, I will pray for people who are not in the church. I'll pray for the Ukraine. I've been, God has put in my heart, Ukraine, Afghanistan, Haiti, Venezuela, and um, Cuba. Those are the nations that I have, I have found myself praying for. And, and I'll pray for people. But it's, 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 it's a great, you know, again, a great pattern when you come to the Lord in prayer. You know, pray for yourself, whatever things that you need, whatever you're seeking. And um, pray for the, your household. Always be praying for your children, your grandchildren, and uh, brothers, sisters. And, um, and then pray for the assembly. Be in tune with what's going on, and the Holy Spirit will lead you. But there are people here right now going through some really trying times that, you know, you should know that you could be interceding and praying for. So that's just that's that's intercession. And again, that's something that's that's something that, that we should be doing, and that's part of you know major part of ministry. Number six is confession. So in, in verse um, twenty, and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Now, right, you have two goats. You have a goat of atonement, and what's the other goat called? Scapegoat. Scapegoat. Okay, that's, that's here. That's here in, in chapter 16. So Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, right? They've already sacrificed one. It has been, it has been sacrificed for the sin of the people. And he shall confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sin, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities of an uninhabited land. And he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So again, the picture, he, he puts his hand upon this goat. Now, what you have here, uh, this is again a typology of Jesus. Right, the one, the one goat is a sin offering, and the goat here that um, is basically lay the hands on, the guilt is transferred to the goat. Okay, again, it's, it's a typology. And then the goat is, is basically, the goat leaves. The goat leaves. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting. In, in 1530, William Tyndale, when he was translating from, um, he was translating from the Greek into, uh, into English, he called the scapegoat, you ever hear this? Azazel. A-Z-A-Z-E-L. And that's where we get the name scapegoat. And if you look at the Hebrew word, it basically just means goat. He places his hands on the goat. And goats in the scriptures are always connected with, with the demonic. But he translated it as Azazel, and again, it, it, was, it translated into English, it becomes translated scapegoat. So, so two goats, one is sacrificed and one is set free. I'll show you a couple of different pictures here. Think of Barabbas and Jesus. Jesus is the goat without sin, but he has to die. And then you have Barabbas, he is the goat with sin, and he was set free. There's also a picture that, that Jesus ultimately fulfills both the goat that died and the goat that was set free. 
so that he, he is the, the scapegoat. It's interesting. It says, it says that you're going to release him outside the camp. Where was Jesus crucified? Yeah, he wasn't crucified inside the city. He, he was crucified. Hebrews chapter 13, 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. I saw those of you who have gone to Israel with me, Gordon's Cavalry. Right, you, you have the actual Gol- Golgotha and just a short distance away, and that's exactly what the scriptures say, was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. A short distance. And you could, you could almost throw, if you have a really good arm, you could almost throw a stone from Golgotha right to Gordon's cavalry. And um, that's why I believe that is the place, likely the place where Jesus was crucified and then the place where he was buried and where he was raised from the dead. But he was crucified essentially outside of the city. Priest lays the hand on the goat, right? Puts his hands on the goat and confesses his sins and the sins of the people. And again, goats can take away sin, the blood of animals, the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. But again, it is, it is a foreshadow of Yeshua who would take away the sins of the world. And that's why it's important in our ministry that we come and we confess to the Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you confess your sins, it's not a general confession. You know, it's like people bring this bag of their sins. They dump it down before God and say, God, forgive me of all my sins. Be specific in your confession of what is wrong with your life, what you're doing in disobedience to Him, what you're not doing that you should be doing in obedience to Him, And begin to bring those to God because that's where God can really get in. The Spirit can really get in and begin to to restore you and heal you and sanctify you. So don't just dump your bag of sin in front of Him and just leave it there. All right, number seven, renewal. So Leviticus chapter uh, chapter 16, 23 through 24, then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting Right, he's coming out of the Holy of Holies. He shall take off the linen, linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in the holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering and burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. So he's taking off all the garments and he's leaving them there. It, it goes on to say, and, and, and look at this. If you look down at verse 30, For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. He leaves renewed. He leaves cleansed. He's leaving the old garment behind. And that is what we should experience in ministry. When you come here on a Wednesday night, when you come here on a Sunday, if you're in a Bible study, if you're in a prayer meeting, when you're, when you're coming to the Lord privately and you, know, you have your, your power hour with God, you'd ex- you should always be experiencing renewal when you have gone through and you have worshipped Him and you've prayed and you've interceded and you've given thanks, you've been in the Word. You should always be experiencing renewal. You shouldn't be leaving there right, worse than you came in. <laughs> You should, oh, you know, it's, it's just, you've experienced 
the Lord. You've experienced His grace, His presence, His love, His mercy, His forgiveness. And you've been given now a clean slate, a fresh start, a new beginning. You've got, you've got a whole beautiful blank canvas in front of you. And you can go now and create your masterpiece. But it's, it, it, it's newness that you're leaving with. And that's the, the picture. Aaron is leaving. He's leaving it behind. And now he's coming on and he's experiencing cleansing, renewing. I am forgiven. I'm restored. I'm in a place now where that relationship has, has been renewed and strengthened, right? Through this, this time of, of ministry. And that should be the, the experience that we have. So here, here's our, our key application, and I'll make it quick and we'll go into prayer. So look, look at this. Again, in ministry... We come and we minister through the blood. We minister in holiness. We minister through the atonement cover, right? We're covered. Uh, prayer, communion, sweet communion, intercession, confession, and renewal. I'm going to make this simple for you. But that's a lot, right? That's a, boy, pastor, I have a lot to be thinking about. Joy, when you are playing, right, and leading, right, and you're playing in the organ, boy, you have to think of those seven things. No, you don't. Because all those things, right, we have them in Yeshua. You see, you see this narrowing from the Old Testament, right? 613 rules and regulations of Moses. And everything narrows down to Yeshua. Believing in him. Loving in Him. It's in Him. Aren't you glad I said that? Because you would have been trying to carry out those seven things and you would have been knocking your head against the wall. But they're all fulfilled in Him. So you're always, always thankful for the blood. I'm always thankful that I'm covered. No seeking to make intercession. It just naturally flows. So would you bow your heads with closing prayer? Father, we thank You for Your Son. And Lord... Jesus, you are our high priest. Lord, you are our mercy seat. Lord, you, you are our atonement cover that covers our sins. And Lord, in you, in you, we see the law fulfilled, Lord God, in our lives. Father, it's a great blessing and it's a great privilege. Lord God, let us truly seek to live up to it, Lord, in faith and obedience to the God we love and the God we praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand with me. We'll close in song. Then we'll go right, we're going to go right into group prayer tonight, okay? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So good. Jesus, name above all names. Above all names.
beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Jesus, name above all. Jesus, name above all names. Beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. Emmanuel, God is with Blessed Redeemer, living word. One more time. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word tonight, Lord, in this time of prayer. Lord, we just ask that you would just lead us, God, and let us be reminded of you, Jesus, and your work on the cross, and your mercy seat, holiness unto you, and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen.